Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The My Baby and Me podcast in association with Nook. Hi, this is Jane Garvey and welcome to another edition of the My Baby and Me podcast. Now, on every episode in this series, we're discussing a different aspect of pregnancy, parenthood and just everyday life with your new baby. Now, as you'll know by now, hopefully, it's a podcast by mums for mums. But in this one, we are focusing just as much attention on partners, on dads. Um, Let's introduce everybody who's around the table today. Ian McIntosh is a writer and broadcaster. He spends loads of time... I'm writing about football, but he is a really sensitive and interesting individual, aren't really? you, Ian? Well, that's, that's very, very kind. Thank you for reading out what I wrote you. <laughs> Lucy Mangan is a columnist with The Guardian and Stylist magazine, and she's also just written a book about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Welcome to you, Lucy. Hi, Jane. Uh, now, both you and Ian have three-year-olds, don't mm-hmm. you? Yep, so you've got plenty of, of experience. And also with us, Nihal, one of the many brilliant voices on the BBC's Asian network. And Nihal, you have two small kids. Yes, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, so not that small. But OK, yeah. do you think you're through the worst of it? No, God no. no. You're <laughs> no, not. Get, just keep getting worse and worse and worse. It I does. Mean, until the point when they finally have their own mortgage, uh, which I haven't contributed to, which of course I will contribute to, and then uh, and then hopefully it'll be cool, and then I'll have grandchildren, and then I'll look after them, and then I'll be able to give it back, and then at that point I'll feel like the worst is over. Yeah, because your grandchildren, I think, will respect you. They might even <laughs> like you. Um, so hang on in there. It is worth it. Okay. Um, now, bringing a baby into any relationship is going to change it. Um, Nihal, did you know what was in store for you when you had your first child, really? The weirdest thing that happened to me, thinking of myself as a modern British feminist, I thought was, this is going to be brilliant for me. What happened six months afterwards was that I realised I'd become my dad, which essentially meant I'm going out to work you can look after our newborn son. <laughs> I'll pay for whatever you need, whatever kind of scented nappy sacks or whatever that you need. It's all good, but I'm going out to work, so that's the vibe. That's the contract. At which point, six months in, my wife said to me, we both made this baby, and if you don't start contributing, um, I'll go and take this baby away from you. What did she mean by contributing in terms of time and what you're actually well, just practically be, doing? Being a father, not yeah. just being a kind of cash machine, like emotionally getting involved, really contributing to all the different things, you know, night feeds and all of these things that I kind of went, well, I've got to get up, so I've got to get a full night's sleep and all this kind of stuff, really. And just being being, being equal, really, in the relationship. As I just kind of became my dad, which is that's what I saw. And I, I was horrified by that. When it was pointed out to me, I'd become it, which is kind of weird because, I mean, consciously I must have known I was doing it, but I just became it. And uh, it, she pointed out to me in very strong terms that, you know, look, if I am going to bring up this baby on my own, I might as well do it without you being here full stop. And that was a real wake-up call. Can you take me inside your head on that first day when you... Did you have paternity leave? Did you take time off work? Um... Yeah, I suppose I must have done, yeah. You don't even remember. I can't remember, yeah. Okay. I mean, my wife keeps telling me I was tweeting while she was in labour. 
I can believe that. <laughs> um, but I was going to ask you about that first morning that you left them at home um, and that you slammed the door and you went back to the quiet and the order of yeah. work. A I'm place now. Yeah, I mean, I'm jealous just thinking about it. Do you not remember that at all? I probably went back pretty quickly. I didn't take that much time off. Um, and also the great thing work. about work is work is a place where you can be competent, where you get a certain amount well, of respect. Roles. And there are rules, yeah. and people follow them on the whole. Yes. Um, back at home, assisting or trying to with your newborn baby... It's just so terrifying, totally isn't it? Yeah. And the thing was, we had so many friends around and then there's that moment isn't there when your friends leave when they they come around and they go oh congratulations they get to hold the baby and they bring you a present and all that kind of stuff gold frankincense and myrrh and then they disappear and you're suddenly there going well okay i've read loads of books but none of them mean anything no disrespect to all the authors who spend lots of time writing those books but you just have to kind of work it out don't you and that was terrifying and it was more terrifying for my wife um, we were living in a, a two-bedroom flat in uh, in northwest London, and you know I'd go off and be with lots of people at Radio One and Asian Network, uh, and she was just there, and that kind of isolation was kind of difficult. And since you know I'd finish a show and then I'd kind of get home, and then I'd go, well, actually no, I have to do loads of work. So even though I'd be at home, I'd still be on that laptop listening to music and kind of working out DJ sets and all that kind of stuff. So it was a uh, kind of even while I was there, I wasn't there. Those first six months, it seems. Okay, uh, points out of ten for Nihal and Lucy. What do you think? Well, he's I mean, honest. Ten, I'll give him yeah, that. Exactly, ten out of ten for for realize, you know, taking it on board when it was pointed out to him. I think this is where a lot of women go, you know, wrong, quote unquote, is that they almost don't give the men a chance. Because I think what you're saying is is you sort of unconsciously repeat the patterns of your childhood, and it's not till you have a, a child of your own that you realize how strongly they are ingrained. I mean, I became like my mother mentally but not physically because she's much more competent than I am and but if someone says go whoa 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 you are being like your dad and you go oh my god you sat then that's you know that's a great thing that's really quite oddly charming in a way to take it on board whereas I think either a lot of men never get it pointed out to them or they never realize and even if they do get it pointed out to them they go oh yeah yeah I'll, I'll well I'll be back early tomorrow night then you know, and they come back at six that night and dutifully stay in for one evening and then it's back to normal <laughs> after that. I've had that a lot from friends of mine. Yeah, it is, It is. in fairness, it's hard for men because, as I said to Nihal, you know, the place where we work, for, for women too, but for men is often, it's their identity. It's, it's well, work is brilliant. Work is work by is far lovely. the yes, you know, easier, easier option. Yeah. And of course, yeah. if you've got a legitimate reason to go back there, you know, it's human nature to go back there as soon as possible. But, you know, men, especially for that first, those first few months, men aren't much obvious use. And it's hard to put a, a value or a, or make tangible their value because it is only in simply being there and you're almost just bearing witness to her suffering. That's all you have to do. Yeah, just think yeah, of it as extended so labour. You know, you wouldn't walk out of labour. You might tweet during labour if you're, you know... Well, I was pretty bored, I've got to say. I mean, I wasn't doing anything. No one offered me any air, I remember. <laughs> Ian, do you remember? I remember going to baby classes, antenatal clubs, and all the groups, and and the focus is all always on labour and not on what life was going to be like at home with a newborn baby. And I wish someone had told me about it. So, what did you know about 
daily life with a newborn baby before you got one? Nothing, because loads of people had told me stuff and it had just bounced off and sort of exterior shield somewhere. I was going to be a dad. I was really excited that I was going to be a dad and people would say, this will be really, really difficult. I'd be like, yeah, of course it will. It's being a dad, isn't it? It'd be really... You have no idea. No idea at all. If you've ever driven in France in particularly hot weather and you don't know where you're going and you're getting really quite concerned because the petrol's running out and then you have a bit of an argument with your partner in the car... Imagine that for a period of about four or five months, because that is basically what it's like if you and your partner are in the house at the same time with a new baby. You're both exhausted. You're both terrified. There is no happy ending in sight. I remember after about three or four days um, walking my daughter along in, uh, in, a, in a pram and I was absolutely you know, exhausted, though hadn't been through anywhere near as much as my wife. And this little voice in my head said, it's all right, it'll be the weekend soon. And then a, a louder voice said, yeah, that doesn't make any difference for you, my friend. Weekends are long gone. Do you know, I had exactly that experience, looking forward to the weekend and then realising there was no weekend. No. And for years, just I'd just taken those Friday night, Saturday morning, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you take on. you take so much for granted. I particularly, I I hate everything about me before being a dad, um, particularly in my laziness and my refusal to acknowledge how wonderful things were. I remember being in work some days and thinking, God, I'm really, really tired. And all I would have to do is leave the office at six o'clock, and then I could go to bed whenever I wanted. But when you've got a kid, you can't, and then you start to fizz against each other. Isn't it funny when you call your mates up? Once you've had kids, you call your mates who don't have kids at the weekend at like 9am and they're just going, yeah, no one picks doing? up a phone. Like, yeah. no one picks up a phone. And you realise this has become my life. And then they have kids. You went, see, yeah. see, that's it. No more lions ever again. So what, do you think the secret might be, Lucy, just to have incredibly low expectations? It's the secret to life, yes. <laughs> what generally happiness in life is all about. Yeah. But maybe it is, actually. Um, but certainly don't have any airy-fairy ideas of it being bliss and a particularly happy stage in your relationship because, actually, the truth is it won't be, almost certainly, it will be the most challenging experience you've had yeah. so far as a couple. Absolutely. I always tell my friends, now that I've been through it myself, it's just almost to think of that six months or whatever, you know, you're period is as a sort of time out of time you know it doesn't reflect on your relationship as a whole just declare an amnesty either during or after and go whatever was said whatever was done or not done yeah in that time let's not take it as indicative of anything other than how we behave in a war (laughs) (laughs) right that's cheerful um i've got to say of course as well that a lot of uh, this is we're talking about people assuming they are in a relationship some women will have children completely on their own and they'll still be on their own uh, plenty of women become single mums not intending to be single parents and I mean I'm a single parent now and by god it's hard work harder work than I ever imagined but I don't think I could have done it when the children were really really young I mean I, I know you're not a single parent Lucy, no, but, but I remember my um, husband who for very good reasons goes by the name of Tory boy in my column yeah. actually saying to me completely out of the blue off his own bat a few months into having a child going I don't know how single mothers do it. I think they might all need a medal, you know, brackets, instead of being kicked in the head by Tory governments. I've interviewed so many women on my Asian Network show who are in these situations and have gone through abuse, um, extreme violence, um, honour issues, and it never fails to just... I'm in awe of those women that can do that. 
that can actually bring up their kids and bring up their kids to such an extent that their kids don't end up as yeah. complete basket cases because of what they've seen and what they've been through. I just can't believe how they can do that, considering how difficult it seemed. Just seeing my wife kind of essentially tortured in some ways by this little baby for about six months. I mean, the breastfeeding thing was the most unbelievable pain I've ever seen my wife in. She was in real pain. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Did she have mastitis or? Um, oh. I just remember her saying it just. Hurts. Feels like, yeah. yeah, you know, shards of glass. I mean, she said yeah. it was so. She was so graphic about how difficult. And as you know, as a man, you you always want to protect your wife from everything, and you're utterly helpless. I mean, there's nothing you do. At this point you were making earlier on, wasn't it, about the fact that we're a bit surplus to requirements, really? And that was a classic example of it, where I just thought, there's nothing I can do. But also, men, I mean, nobody, but particularly men, don't like being helpless. No, we don't. Um, you like to be able to do something, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it's not like a guy's just insulted my wife and I can kind of go, right, put car park now. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. No. Don't punch her in the boobs. No, no. that's... that's, that's <laughs> Especially uh, not that's, with well, that's a mistake you only make once. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, Ian, what do you think about that? Because I think um, sometimes when the baby baby won't stop crying, it's half past two in the morning. And there is something about motherhood that makes you sort of superhuman and super tolerant and you will be able to cope with your child even if you never thought you would be able to. Men don't always cope in quite the same way. They get, I think they probably do get irritated quicker. I mean, that's, I guess, is nature nature in the raw, I imagine. Yeah, I think that there are an awful lot of frustrations, particularly in the early stage, where we're absolutely no use. Um, there, there's practically nothing we can do that will uh, that will help the situation. I think the only thing a dad can do really sometimes is just taking the baby out of the equation. Um, it, obviously, this will largely depend where you live, but we lived in a fairly small northern town, so it wasn't the worst thing to put your baby in the pram at three in the morning and just, just go somewhere. Or um, go for a drive. Yeah, or going car. for a drive, McDonald's drive-in. You know, there are bonuses, you can find them. Um, <laughs> we actually... <laughs> so, sprinkled with stardust. We, we actually had a graveyard round the back of our house, a massive graveyard <laughs> in worse. South Shields. <laughs> so yeah. we, we, we would occasionally test the theory of whether or not you could wake up the people in there. You can't, fortunately. No. Because um, no. that would have been terrifying. At Nook, we believe our job is to make your life easier. For over 60 years, we've been listening to midwives, doctors, dentists, and most importantly, parents. Only by listening have we been able to deliver a range of products that is specifically designed to satisfy the needs of mother and baby in those precious early years. To find out more about the full range of Nook products, visit our website at www.nook.co.uk. Nook. Understanding life. It's sometimes very hard, very, very hard to imagine that actually this all started with a wild act of passion, sex. This is how you landed up where you are now with the screaming, mewling baby at half past four in the morning and neither of you having slept for a fortnight. Um, so that brings us on seamlessly to the subject of sex. Did you at any time, Nihal, yeah. start to think about it and was it before your wife that started to think about it? Um, and did you miss it? Hmm. while he was tweeting, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, she, she, as you can imagine, uh, 
I can remember her not being super horny, it has to be said. Probably wasn't a priority, um, was it? It wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> big on the list of uh, things to be... Uh, We're not still doing. in the labour room, it, we have moved, we've moved out of hospital. I'm, I'm glad, <laughs> yeah. It's like, gas, air, what about sex? That could uh, perhaps help you out there. I know how to relax that, you, though. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't a suggestion that uh, I thought about. I thought about it, but you don't say everything you think, do you? Luckily, um, although some men do. Um, yeah, sex, hmm. Um, that's what I'm just I'm really trying to think about there was a time I think when they were, were toddlers where we went through a very dry but actually we, we were quite you know vibrant I would say not not in the first kind of definitely not in the first six months because it, all it was was body being as yeah. I said tortured by the baby um, and then of course um, I felt that it was a handy way of perhaps losing some of that baby weight Oh, nice. you are a smooth nice. talker. I know. For, no, oh. for me, my baby weight that oh, I put on, you see, because of course I just, and not hers, it was, uh, it was my baby weight that so I put on. a bit chunky, darling, maybe I could take some of that weight off you. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely my This my man's father, weight. two kids, apparently. <laughs> no, I can't um, believe I found someone who would actually breathe with me. That's incredible. Um, I guess um, perhaps sex is not quite, I mean, it's about the loss of intimacy, isn't it, Ian? It's about the fact that you're now three or four rather than just the two of you, and that actually is hard for both of you. Yeah, there's, so there's a yeah the the balance is uh, irrevocably broken um it's it's not just the two of you now there's there's someone far more important um so you, you do lose that and I'd, honestly i don't think sex was really an issue for for a number of months um i mean mainly because of the damage done through the process of getting the baby out in the in the first place um so so any thoughts on that uh, well matters were taken into my own hand um which made life uh, life a lot <laughs> easier you. um but eventually you do get back i think that's the thing to take through all of this is it's, it's a huge storm coming in but everything will be all right on the other side well as long as you can keep talking I mean, yes. and are you were you able to talk about all this sort of stuff whilst it was going on it's all very well talking about it now yeah, with you, us, you, but... you can say talk Shout, scream, howl, write angry letters, leave them on the on the uh, kitchen table, that kind of thing. Do men talk to their mates about this kind of thing? I th- I think it helps if you do. I mean, I did. You know, you have phone calls to your mates trying to find out if everything's entirely normal, that you've just screamed at each other for about an hour. Um, but it does, you, again, you go back to the fact that you're in a high-pressure, very, very tense situation. So you're going to be in a position where you'll lose your temper and she'll lose her temper. And as Lucy says, uh, maybe having a, a pre-agreed amnesty period for before you go to war um, is a great move. But certainly sex wasn't wasn't high on either of our agendas um, until, you know, when you do get back into it, it was it was quite wonderful. I was going to say, once you do, it helps, doesn't it? Yes. It was support was the most important thing. I think my wife found the most attractive thing being support, not about, you know, kind of saying, right, let's go to the bedroom and have some fun. It was more a case of intimacy, actually, Mm. but not necessarily physical, just emotional intimacy and just being able to be there for her was the most important thing. And did you two... And she didn't feel good about herself physically. No, well, you wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. So that itself affected because that affects your confidence and, you know, confidence is a big part of of having a good sex life. Lucy, um, did you ever just want to be on your own just in the bath or having a quick coffee somewhere or even a long coffee somewhere it's the thing that's what it I nearly went mental over that I couldn't I like I'm someone who likes to be on my own all the time anyway I have, you know there are days when I, you can't be alone enough you know you sort of want to press yourself into the sofa and just you know move away and 
suddenly there's none of that and I still find it really hard now I cannot I cannot I still part of me is still waiting for someone to take this child away and give me you know a return to my own life my own to me I what he's here all the time I I still find that really it messes with my head and in the first year I nearly lost my mind over it and did your husband allow you to slip off every now and again and just have that time on your own? Yes, he did, and he would have. But the, the, the problem is, especially, I think, as as the mother, because I've talked to him about this and they, he really doesn't have the same problem. If I was with your mother, he was always in my mind, you know, and he always is now. If I Even if I'm out doing this, I'm like, he'll be back on her, and I feel, you know, I've got this drain of feeling slightly bad about being away from him. So, you know, your, your mind is not your own, never mind your actual time. Your mind is never your own again. And that's a really hard thing to get over. And I was talking to, I was saying to my husband, you know, you know, don't you find it dementing? And he was saying, and he looked at me, you know, really baffled. He said, what, what, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm, when I'm looking after him, I'm solving all sorts of work problems in my head. So it's like it's like it's like walking a dog. I think you're right. What? I think that, that, what? Yeah, that bit you're about just your head. Mighty. Your headspace is now occupied by this entity, yeah. and then sometimes other two. Whereas entities. he's finding it a mild diversion from unable to, and he's good at looking after him. You know, he's very present. He's not. Now, how looks puzzled just... by that head thing? What, <laughs> no, what? I'm I'm intrigued. This idea um, that you you need to be kind of alone, just simply because the opposite was the case with my wife, where she'd spent all day with a baby. And so isolated. And I, like you, Jane, we talk for a living. So perhaps when we get home, we probably don't want to talk that much because we do so much of it. And most people in their jobs, they go about and they go and they're in offices and they're talking to lots of people. They come home and also don't want to talk. But that's at the exact point at which your wife who's been in or your partner who's been in all day long with a baby wants to have a conversation with you. And, um, you know, sometimes you feel really selfish because you're kind of like, right, OK. And you're a bit kind of the TV's on and you're looking at the TV and saying, like, well, can you look at me when I'm talking to you? Like, yeah, yeah, of course I'll, uh, I'll look at you like that. And like your eyes don't, in fact, because uh, things on it in the end, the, the she gets in right control and switches the TV up and go, can we have a conversation, please? Because you, you just, you're on two totally different planes. There's also the tricky problem of the in-laws, the grandparents, the mm-hmm. watching neighbours, friends who think they know better. Uh, the older relatives always know better or think they do. Um, someone I know tweeted me a picture a couple of weeks ago of a baby grow, which says, my mother doesn't need any of your advice. <laughs> which is a great baby grow. It's the ultimate baby <laughs> It's the ultimate baby grow. Did you have helpful grandparents, Lucy? Yeah, I did. I mean, there's no getting away from my, you know, my mum and dad just kind of just saved us. We just had to go and live with them. We had to, you know, so it was really kind of an old fashioned setup in a but way. But you had a really like, difficult, unpleasant birth, didn't you? Yeah, Which yeah. left and, you very poorly, actually. You know, and, and literally every day, you know, my mum would have to walk me up the stairs, put me in the bath and wash me and dress me and take me down again. And, um, but at the same time, and it was all, it was just a terrible, terrible time. At the same time, it did mean I didn't have that awful moment that I think, you, you know, you've already mentioned, I know most of my friends had, when you leave the hospital with this baby and you're just allowed to go home with this baby to empty house. It's just you knowing nothing and your partner knowing nothing with this tiny scrap of humanity completely dependent on you. And at least I didn't have to cope with all that. No, but you had to quite, cope with quite a few other yes, things. Yes, I, I, I would trade it, but, uh, you know, there were, there yeah. were some... But what about, um, I'm just trying to remember, my own mother came in, because I wasn't breastfed, because I was a 1964 baby, and breastfeeding, frankly, I think was regarded as 
you just were very alternative if you did it back then. She had no idea about breastfeeding and would comment on me doing it along the lines of, and she's a lovely woman, I should say, but she'd say things like, well, how do you know she's having any? She's going to need feeding again in half an hour, isn't she? Do you know what you're doing with that? And this sort of thing. And this was my own mother. I mean, imagine if it had been the mother-in-law. Unthinkable. Yeah, I know, but I... I knew it would be that my mother was sort of very strict and and critical when I was growing up, and I but I just knew that with the grandchild she'd be completely different, and I was prepared for for her to be you know worshipful of me. What I didn't expect was that she was so careful of me, and and for the first time in my life allowing me to find to you know taking my opinions or wants kind of on trust almost, mm. you know, and, and letting me breastfeed till he was. You know, gone too, and this is all out of you know guilt rather than any kind of belief that that breastfeeding is a brilliant thing. Um, and where she might once have, you know, thought like your mother, that was all you know, a touch to throw. Um, she was all now very bolshy with her friends who did still you think did it question was, it. and she would come out fighting for me, which I found very, no, very that's, nice. That's good. Uh, did you have to um, keep the Grandparents at bay a bit, Ian. Or no, we were very lucky. Both sets of grandparents were um, were, were wonderful. Uh, entirely, there, there was no unsolicited advice given, but None. plenty taken. Uh, well, little bits here and there, but not to the point where anything was, you know, in, invasive. The the only issues, I mean, as a dad, I had was from uh, the unsolicited advice from people who didn't actually have kids, despite, uh, bestowing little gems <laughs> like, "Why don't you just sleep when the baby sleeps?" Oh, really? Really, genius? Thought that one through? <laughs> when do I do everything that has to be done? When do I wash up? When do I shop? When do I tidy up? You you know, you can't... People who haven't had kids probably are not the best people to dispense advice. But I'm sure I've probably done that at some point in the in the past. But no, grandparents were, were absolutely fine. Better than fine. Couldn't no, have done what it about, What about you? Um, very different. Um, neither my father nor my wife's father are alive. And um, my mother-in-law is American, so she lives in the States. So she just came over for the first kind of six to eight weeks or so and then left. Uh, My mother um, is good. I mean, my mother-in-law is incredibly practical and she loves gadgets. Being American, you know, you've got like three fridge freezers and seven microwaves. And, you know, it's, it's technology will help yeah. with everything. So here's your Wi-Fi-enabled breast pump. There you go, you know. <laughs> um, so, and my mum was really good, actually, because she just, she knew that she was there for support, not advice. Well, I think that's really important because she's yeah. not the mother of the mother, is she? Yes, and I, right. And that's a difficult role to play. Well, my, you know, my my wife and her mother have a, a relationship which is, you know, which can can yeah. can get into fireworks sure. as a mother and daughter ones can. Um, so she came and she provided practical support, as did my mother. And I think that they were both because my wife is quite, a, you know, she's a very bolshy kind of individual herself. So I don't think they either of them felt comfortable enough to give advice as such like or certainly not advice that was you know that kind of harry enfield character only me don't want to do it like that like none of that advice more so kind of look this might help but also always very very calm and very very kind of non-judgmental and, and that that helped greatly i mean that helped greatly my mum though you know she's in her 70s so she wasn't the kind of person that could be kind of physically helping all, all the time. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I should great. say, we don't, we don't want to be negative about this. I think I remember introducing your child to your parents or your parent, if you're lucky enough to have one around at the time. It's My one of the got a great grandmother. It's one of the so best experiences of your life yeah. to be able to do that. Oh, but it's since, uh, 
The beautiful thing about, especially for my mother having grandchildren, was that after my father passed away 14 years ago, and um, in those kind of seven years between my first son being born and, and her no longer having her husband, her life really did drift along, you know, mm. and she she was pretty aimless, just trying to figure out what she wanted to do in life. And then these grandchildren come along, and their lives completely change. My mother now has three grandchildren, uh, my brother has a, a, a young child, and she it's just given her a completely new lease of life. It's fantastic. And the kids love her being around, because I grew up without any grandparents. All of my grandparents were dead by the time I was born. So... I didn't grow up with any of them, but they've got this now fantastic link to their history. And they have a great grandmother in Sri Lanka who they see every year. They spend five to six weeks a year in Sri Lanka. And and that link of generations is so important, so important. So we focus, too, on the challenges that couples can face. Um, I, I want to end on a, an up note. And it does, it can, at its very best, bring you closer together. Of course it can, because you've done something brilliant together, Ian. Yeah, you you just find out little new things about each other that you'd never find in your old life of going to pubs and restaurants and things. You know, the the fun you can have reading stories or the songs that you were brought up with that you now sing to your child at bedtime. Um, there's also a, a level of intimacy and trust that that comes with the way you you know you sort of cover each other's runs. You cover um, when you know your partner's tired. Um, the things that you can do to help. We actually had a, a unique reward based system in our house. Um, we, we lived in the northeast where obviously it was a lot cheaper. So we actually had a spare room um, which you can't even imagine having in London but we used that as a kind of reward or a kind of uh, a, a respite if you were, what, you were a night completely in the spare room. yeah exactly a night in the spare room <laughs> most people's punishment exactly. yeah, right, we turned okay. it around yeah. so like, you know what that's You've having worked. kids in a nutshell isn't yeah, it yeah. Spare really room hard. Becomes a... you take the spare room from 7pm yeah. you're off 12 hours R&R Brilliant. Um, thank you very much. Um, my thanks to Lucy Mang and to Nihal and to Ian McIntosh. And you can find them all on Twitter. It's uh, Lucy Mangan, at Lucy Mangan, at Ian McIntosh, and at The Real Nihal. And I'm on Twitter at Jane Garvey1. And if you like what you've heard, you can share the podcast with your friends and fellow mums, and indeed at Mums to Be on Facebook as well. And you can find the rest of our episodes on iTunes and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. I'm Jane Garvey, and thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. You've been listening to the My Baby and Me podcast in association with Nook. Visit us at nook.co.uk.